from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions. It's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, the host of the Ken Coleman Show, author of the number one best-selling book, From Paycheck to Purpose, is my co-host today. So we definitely can handle your career, job, and work questions, along with anything else you want to throw at us. The phone number is 888-825-5225. Thanks for being there. We're going to start this hour with William in St. Louis. Hi, William. How are you? Doing good, Dave. Hi, Ken. How are you? Doing good. What's up? How can we help? Yes, I have a question. I'm 30 years old. I graduated with my degree in computer science. I currently work in a trade right now doing foundation repair. And I'm thinking of pursuing a career in the military, but not quite sure if it's what I should be doing. I don't. I feel as though I don't have much of an opportunity of growth using either of the skills that I've learned or would like to do them long term. Okay, so we have two different factors there. So first, I don't feel like I have opportunity for growth. Uh, with a computer science degree, I, that, that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, technology is the number one industry where we stand today and going forward will continue to be so. So the sky's the limit on technology. Now, in the trades, I would say that's incorrect in the trades as well. But in your particular role as foundation repair, maybe that's true. So that's one narrative problem. The second thing you brought up is... Uh, I don't know if I want to do them long term. Now that's 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 what we need to be paying attention to. So is the military just another option, or is it something that you've always longed to do? You you're a patriot. You want to serve our country in a specific way, or is it just another option that maybe I'll kick the tires on because I don't want to do computer and technology work and I don't want to be in the trades? What is it? Um, I've always had the drive to do so since my senior year of high school and even through college. But now that I've been uh, a working professional for this long, I, I feel like I, I can't get the opportunity with my foot in the door to use my computer degree. And like I say, doing trades, it's, it's fun, but I don't, I'm not giving many benefits or any, actually any benefits at all. Okay, but let's If pause. I offered you a job making 150000 in computer science, would you, be, would you have joy? I'm not sure complete joy, but I mean, it wouldn't hurt either. Well, I mean, what, why, why not complete joy? Honestly, it's, it, money's not a really a motivator for me. So back to the military thing. I thought I heard you say that you've always wanted to serve in the military since high school. Did I hear you correctly? That's correct. Okay, then. Why? What's behind that? I haven't had much goal or general direction in what I want to do, so I just kind of fall on you know, whatever seems easier. Okay, that's not a good answer, too. I've always wanted to be in the military. <laughs> it's completely opposite. So... Um, what you have to understand is, is that there, there are things that you do well, those are your talents. And then there's things that you really enjoy doing. And to this point in your life, I think you know what those are. So if I interviewed everybody that knows you, William, what would they say are the top two or three things you do well? And we're talking about a skill set could be a hard skill or a soft skill. What would they say? I'm not quite sure. I'm not, I don't have that many talents. All right. Now we know what's going on. So here's where we're at, William. So I'm going to give you a couple of tools that will allow you to dive into this, not under the pressure of being live on the air, okay? I'll tell you about those in a minute, but here's what's going on. Something has happened to you. 
something has been said to you to where you don't believe that you have anything to offer. You don't think you have any talents. And that couldn't be further from the truth. So what we got to do is we got to get you to a place where you begin to see, wait a second, I have something that I can do well. It's come easy for me. People have complimented me on this. And if I'm if I'm able to get through the pain and through the past and see that, then I can begin to realize, oh, I have something that I can do well. And when we get the clues to that, there will be things that we enjoy closely aligned, if not the same thing. So stay on the line. And I want to do a couple of things. I want to give you the Get Clear Career Assessment. And this is a wonderful little tool of self-awareness. I want you to take it. And then I want you to read the book from paycheck to purpose. <clears throat> then I want to schedule a call. Austin, let's schedule to have him call in on my show after he's done both of those things. And we'll work through what we now see. And Dave, uh, you know, our friend John Deloney deals with this a lot too. When someone feels as though they have no worth, they don't feel they're worthy. And then they have a hard time even identifying, I can do this well. This is a type of work that I can do and contribute to the world. And that's what's going on with him. Yeah. And then you fall backwards. That's correct. You just start things selecting things. Oh, by try default. This. Right. Well, I mean, you just like, Take, take the path of least resistance is like i can't screw that up right i'll go to the military and they'll tell me what to do and I when can't to screw do that it up. right now yeah, and that's not that this is um earl nightingale great motivator used to say that you take an 18 year old young man young mm -hmm. woman and they've got the whole world in front of them there's nothing but hope mm -hmm. there's nothing but dreams there's nothing but vision there's nothing but excitement and if you're not careful how do they select their first career choice what their friends are doing mm -hmm. that's right i just got on down to factory come on <laughs> right. down there hiring right and that's about how much work you they spend more time picking out a suit of clothes than they do a career that's right and you can fall backwards into mm -hmm. things if you don't uh deem yourself uh of great value yeah and um you know if you're in the technology world and you actually know how to do technology uh the sky's the limit. Yeah, you're incredibly on what you can do. Yeah, but you got to actually believe it. And I can't get my foot in the door. Has nothing to do with mm -hmm. the technology world. Has to do with his foot. You nailed it. See, here's what's going on with this young man and a lot of people that are listening today and watching. If you don't see how you are uniquely put together, uh, then you will never believe that you have tremendous value. So this is really a self awareness situation. But I will tell you that undoubtedly, and I don't want to put him on the spot on the air undoubtedly he has been in an environment or he's had some experiences that has made him feel as though he doesn't have much to offer and so awareness is huge to begin to see himself as somebody who can do things well that's talent who enjoys doing things that's passion and who is motivated by results that's a sense of mission and that's what's in the assessment that will give him so i want the audience to know i didn't want to put him on the spot uh, I've talked to so many people like that on the air that they're dealing with a cloud of well, confusion. And, and when you're in that, you don't interview well. Yeah, you can't see because anyone doing an interview looks at that looks at that person that's using that type of lingo and sentence structure, mm -hmm. and they go, "Uh, uh, yeah, pretty quick." It's almost as big a turnoff as the other end of the spectrum, where you get a guy if you could buy him for what he's worth and selling for what he thinks he's worth you'd be rich right <laughs> you get a guy on the other side who's all pumped up and you yes, know really thinks true. he's something he's not right. right yeah and that's the other end of the spectrum and so when you're when you're an employer doing an interview or uh, an hr person doing a recruiter doing an interview 
you're picking up on these vibes off of either one of these two characters we're talking about here. And uh, it makes a difference. Quiet confidence and courage is an amazingly powerful thing. It changes your voice tone. It changes your body language. It changes your um, the believability that you can add value to an organization. This is The Ramsey Show. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Melissa is with us in Rochester, New York. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, good afternoon, sir. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Sure. What's up? Sure, sir. The reason why I'm calling in is because I'm having a couple of issues right now. I currently own the home that I live in. It is completely paid off. However, that home is actually my mom's home. Um, What was your mom's home? It's now yours. Yes, it was my mom's home. It is in my name now. It is paid off. However, it was originally my mom's home. She lost it, and so I helped her save the home, and now it's in my name out of fear that she'll lose it again. However, sir, um, my mom has made infrastructure changes to the property um, without, this was before I even had the home. She had made infrastructure changes, and she didn't properly permit the house. So she's gone now a couple years with having rooms that she created into the house that weren't permitted and so now i'm in fear that i may be facing any type of legal issues or ramifications that can come out of the house being in my name and her doing things to the home before they were even in my name and so now i'm trying to just save myself any issues that may come out of all of this and i want to just undeed myself and deed my mom back on the property and just give her the property to take care of how old is your mom? My mom is 70 years old. Okay. What did she do to the house? She refinanced it. No, I'm talking about the structural what she, issues. What did she change? She added um, bedrooms to the property. So she did an addition. Yes. It changed the square footage of the house. Are they not within code? Well, no, they had, if you didn't permit and you, you changed the square, you, she changed the footprint, right? Yes. So the actual outside structure of the home is the same. It was never changed. But what she did was she built up additional walls, creating bedrooms. Inside. Inside the original footprint. Inside the original footprint. Correct. Yeah, that's why I'm Well, they have no way of knowing what happened there. Right. Correct. So, no, you don't have any liability. Nothing to worry about. There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to worry about? Right. Nothing to worry about. Unless, and that's why I asked the question. Did she rewire the house without getting an electrical permit? No. Did she replumb the house without getting a plumbing permit? Yes. Completely replumbed the whole house. Well, she added a, a bathroom. She yeah. added one bathroom. Yeah. Okay. All right. Is it done? Is the construction done of reasonable quality? Yes, it is. Okay. I don't think you got a thing to worry about. Nothing at all. I think you got a thing to worry about. I, it would have been better to permit it, but lots of people do that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's a fairly normal practice. Yeah. Some some municipalities are much more strict than others. I can't tell you that, you know, Rochester, New York is not like the toughest in the world or something. I don't know that. But in general, most people, you know, it's inside the footprint. She didn't change the dimensions of the house. And, um, you know, she didn't illegally do a trade other than adding a bath. I, I I, I really, truly, um, I, I, I don't think you got a thing to worry about. And I wouldn't give her the okay. house back. 
she's going to borrow yeah, against like it. That. Well, and here's what's going to happen is she's going to screw it up, and then she's going to turn around and leave it to you when she dies. And you got the mess right. again. The, the, You're going to get it back. This thing's a boomerang. <laughs> yes. And now my, my one fear right now is, so the conditions of the house, the roof needs to be replaced. That's about $20,000. The driveway needs to be replaced. Fencing needs to be added because she hasn't. Is she living in it or are you? We're both living in it right now. What do you make a year? Uh, right now I'm not working. I decided to put myself back into school and I just graduated two months ago. How do you people um, eat? Um, Where's the money? Mom, well, I have savings that I use up right now. I only have about 2,000 savings left. And you have a paid for house all run down. Come again, sir? It's, you have a paid for house, but it's all run down. Yes, it's run down. Yeah. And what are you getting ready to do for any. a career now? I'm getting ready to go into public safety law enforcement to be specific. And you'll be making right what? Now, I'll be making approximately $60,000 a year. Okay. All right. Well, and I currently have. Okay, I would not deed it back to her. I would either sell it to an investor as is, and you guys go about your merry way, or I would sit there with a plan to to uh, gradually do the uh, repairs that need to be done out of cash from your new job. Part of this is you want to get rid of the uh, of all the negative things that your mom represents by getting rid of this house. Yes, sir, because right now she rents out. That's, that's where some of the income is coming in. She did additional bedrooms. She rents out the bedrooms. And so that income, she claims it all because that's technically her retirement since she doesn't work. I'm sorry, the house is yours. How does yeah. she rent out your house and she collects the rent? Y'all are weird. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's only because it's only because the house was originally mine. I did save it from her. I didn't technically have any financial investment in it. Um, How did you save, save it, it then? Um, I was able to, um, when she short sold the house, I was able to purchase it for about $40,000. That's called a financial investment. Yes, and she has since then refunded me that money. Okay. Um, you don't have boundaries. Is, you, is know, the I, 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 you know, I, 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 th- I think you might be right, Melissa. I actually, I'm change. I'm going to change my mind right here in the middle of this call. Wow. I think you deed it to her and let her have it, and you go have a life. And when she passes away, you auction it off. Don't you ever move in it? Okay. I think this house and all the chaos that occurs around your mother in this house uh, is all a huge negative spot for you, and a clean, fresh start in criminal justice system is a, a great thing for you clean no chaos simple little one-bedroom apartment and you build up some cash again and uh you've come out even she gave you the money back that you used to save the short sale but you can just push all of this chaotic weirdness over to the side and not have to worry about it anymore and just i would yeah i, I would talk to a title company and i'd deed it out of your name into hers and you go move but only if there's a clean break there yeah you have to you have to you stay rent away your own place you, you have to have your life completely separate yes. completely clean all the chaos stays over there on her yes. side of the fence don't help with the roof anything around this mom figure is chaotic i can smell it in the air she's a character <laughs> mom's a character and then you're sitting there trying to be a normal person in the middle of this character, and that's why I called y'all weird. 
So um, I couldn't figure out how you own the house and she's collecting the rent. Uh, but now I'm starting to understand. So, yeah, I think it is a good idea. Let's just get away from it. But not because of the remodeling, uh, because of the chaos around your mom. And this is never going to be, it's always going to be the weird part of your life until you give it a little bit of distance and a little bit of a boundary. Mm-hmm. All right. Casey's in St. Petersburg, Florida. Hi, Casey. What's up? Hi, thank you for taking my call. Sure. I can help. Um, so I've just been listening to your show for about a month now, and I um, understand a little bit about the baby steps, and I actually just signed up for the financial peace uh, course through my church. So wow, great. To get started on that. Yeah. Um, so my situation is that I am 41, single. Um, I have 183000 in student loan debt. You a doctor or a lawyer? Um, nurse practitioner. Oh, good. That's even better. Okay. So you're making um, what? 110? Um, I'm making 135. 135. Great. I love it. What other debts have you got? Um, I have 8,000 in private student loan debt. Okay. Um, 5,000 in a parent plus loan for mm-hmm. my daughter. Mm-hmm. And I have, this is the really hard part to even say out loud, is I have um, $19,000 in credit card debt Mm -hmm. from medical bills um, Mm -hmm. and other things. Okay. What we're going to do is just do what we do in Financial Peace University. You're going to live on beans and rice, rice and beans. You make a wonderful income. And as a nurse practitioner, you can also pick up some side gigs called ER on the weekends, and it pays really well. I want you working all the time. I want you spending no money. No restaurants, no eating out, no vacations, no life. And now we're making 150, 160. We're going to live on about 40, and we're going to throw 100 at this student loan debt. And you're going to be 100% debt free in around two years. But it's going to be two years of hell, so get ready. It'll be worth it, though, because you'll be free. That's exactly how you're going to attack this with great focused intensity. Good question. I'm proud of you. Get at it. Holler if you need some more help. With more frequency than you know, I get calls and emails from people dealing with the recent loss of a spouse or a parent. You can hear the struggle and the heartache they've been experiencing. And at a time they should be grieving, what breaks my heart the most is the strain and tension they're going through because of money, especially when it's a situation that could have been avoided. If you have a family, it is your responsibility to have term life insurance. It is one of the things you do to show you care. And yes, this is an ad for Xander Insurance. But since this is one of the most effective ways I have to get my point across, so be it. For over 25 years, I've been telling you about the importance of term life insurance and protecting your family. Listen, you need to check out Xander.com or call them at 800-356-4282. I can't say it enough. Protect your family. It's what you're supposed to do. Go to Xander.com or call 800-356-4282. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. I'm Dave Ramsey. Thanks for joining us. The phone number is 888-825-5225. Rebecca is in Denver. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? I'm wondering what your thoughts are on purchasing a custom tiny home. Okay. So my situation is I'm going through a divorce. Um, my daughter and I are living in an apartment mm. and we're selling our house and wondering um, 
on the other end of it, I should have between 100 and 125,000 um, from the equity. I'm going to beef up my emergency fund, and then I could pay cash for a cu- for a custom tiny house. And my daughter is a senior in high school. Um, otherwise, I'll probably stay in the apartment for a few years, trying to save some more money. Just kind of was wondering. I know how you feel about trailers. I wasn't sure if it was the same with the tiny houses. Yeah. What What's your uh, income? Uh, 85,000 a year. All right. And, um, how long were you married? Seven years. Mm, I'm sorry. It's a hard thing Thank to go you. through. Um, yeah. well, here's the problem with the tiny house. Um, other than the fact that it's tiny, <laughs> here's the problem with the tiny house. Uh, th- there is no track record out there. It's a fairly new phenomenon. And there's no track record out there that says that there's a secondary market for it. Meaning when you get ready to sell it, there's no evidence in the marketplace yet that you're going to be able to sell it at all and that you'll be able to sell it, um, uh, for a price uh, even close to what you paid for it. So you, you could get really stuck. Um, if they, you know, you know, so why is it? I don't like mobile homes. Well, there's a long track record. They go down in value a hundred percent of the time. Okay. So we have a pattern, an observable pattern and in finance things, that's what you're looking for is an observable pattern. And so it's why you would uh, like, for instance, if you bought a home in a neighborhood, uh, that is way out on the edge of town and is brand new, that's not as predictable an environment as buying a home in a tree-lined street that has been there for 20 years and is very predictable. You follow me? So even those two neighborhoods, those are both single-family homes I'm discussing there, but those two neighborhoods give you a predictable pattern. And that's why I would never buy a tiny home, because it's such a new phenomenon. We don't know what's going to happen. And and we do know this. We do know this. The market is uh is nowhere the per the number of people looking for a tiny home at a given moment would be way smaller than the number of people looking for a regular home agreed yes so your your opportunity to your your buyer pool that you would sell to is very small no pun intended So <laughs> not physically small, but number small, <laughs> but the, uh, there's a lot of tiny home jokes here, but yeah, the, uh, yeah. So I, I yeah, no, I would not buy one for that reason. It's okay. that simple. It's not that I hate on them or something like that. I do hate the, I, I, the, this idea that they're presented out there as somehow the answer to high house prices. The answer right. to this or that. They're not the answer. Uh, you know, not yet. Someday there may be a robust market of people buying other people's tiny homes. Uh, but today there's not. And so, no, I would tell you don't do that. I would rent an apartment for a little while. I don't think it's going to be five years. I, I think you can go buy a home. You have a good income. you got 100000 bucks to put down. So get you a good 15-year yeah. fix. You, you know, Denver's an expensive market. It's tough to buy there. But I would not give up on real estate for five years. So you, you kind of presented me three options. I'm going to be in an apartment. I'm going to buy a tiny home. Or I'm going to be in an apartment and wait five years. Two options. Uh, and, and I think you're in an apartment a lot less than five years. Um but part of this is you guys getting your your spirits 
mm-hmm. and your emotions reset after this pain that you two have been through, you and your daughter. And uh, just having a simple apartment situation is uh, not a bad thing for a year. And just use that year to live very conservatively and add to the $100,000 down payment and then talk about maybe this time next year you're talking about buying a home. And, you know, it's a presidential election year. Maybe we'll see interest rates come down. Who knows? Other than the fact that they almost always do during a presidential election because it's hard to get elected. You pretty much give up the White House if you give up the economy. Mm. So we kind of got that coming, right? There is that. And, I, you know, I also think just with all the pain and trauma that they're going through, that high school senior daughter needs some space. And yeah. you're in a tiny home. There's no space, and her having her own, you know, place to move around that senior year, let you guys heal and get stable. I think this comes from a lot of people feel like uh, renting is throwing money away, and it's not when we're getting stable. It's not when it's patience yes. with a plan. Yes. Yeah. Spoken like a dad of teenagers. Okay. Yes. yes. Mary is in Washington, D.C. Hi, Mary. How are you? Doing okay. How are you guys doing? Better than we deserve. How can we help? <laughs> Yeah, I was um, calling in. My husband and I have just started following your program. Um, and, you know, we've made some, some I think, smart decisions over the years, but we've been doing things in the different, in, in the, not necessarily the order that you guys have laid out. And so I wanted to call in and check to see um, sort of a, a challenging question, a moral question, is should we pull back on things like tithing mm-hmm. or retirement in the short term Mm -hmm. to focus on debt. It feels odd Mm -hmm. to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. but I know that it's a hunk of, of money. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. We're just calling to get, get your thoughts and advice on that. Okay. Uh, we never tell people to pull back on their tithe. Okay. Your tithe is off the top. It's first fruits. It says in Proverbs many times. And so it's the first thing you do. So if you're a person of faith, which is what what yeah. you're indicating by saying tithe, because yeah. that's that's a, a a word associated with our faith. Um, so Judeo Christian ethic of some kind, of, you know, whether you're Christian or Jewish, either one. But that's where the word tithe comes from. So you're putting that up front. Now, the rest of it yeah. is um, the most powerful wealth building tool you have is your income. And when you give it to someone else in the form of debt payments, you slow down your ability to build wealth. So how old are you guys? Um, 40, 41. Okay. And how much debt do you have not counting your home? Uh, about 60000 On what? Um, 58 of it is um, student loans and then okay. 2000 left on a car. And um, what's your household income? Uh, about one hundred and ten. Okay. And how much do you have in retirement now? Um, we each have maybe between ooh, 80 and 100. Okay. And do you have any money that's not in retirement? Uh, we have a little bit in savings. What's we a little bit? $5,000. Okay. You don't have another mutual fund sitting around or another investment account or anything else? No, no. It's all sort of wrapped up in retirement. Gotcha. Okay. So what we would tell you to do. And we think this is the short, we know, we've proven this is the shortest path to wealth versus the one you're on, is uh, we would continue our charitable giving, continue tithing off the top before you do anything, be on a detailed written budget on the Every Dollar app. The two of you are in agreement on what we're doing. I would temporarily stop the retirement savings, 
and I would clean up this debt in the next 12 to 18 months. And then you don't have any payments, but a house payment, but this student loan's going to hang around so long. You think it's a freaking pet. Yeah. It's, it's been around for, for you know, 15 plus years now. Oh, it's so a fat it's, pet. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. This thing needs, <laughs> Sally pathetic. May's got, Sally May's gotten to be a toxic bother. She needs oh, to go. Sally May, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we've gotten it down. I mean, no, we, we had no, you hadn't. You, you still owe 58. Don't, don't tell me you guys, it's $58,000. You, you, you need to attack this with complete focus yeah. and temporarily for a short period of time, year to a year okay. and a half, I'd stop my retirement and I would attack that with a vengeance like my hair was on fire and uh, if you do that i mean you put thirty thousand a year on it you'll be done in two years you put sixty thousand a year on it you're done in one year so somewhere between those two is probably where you're gonna land and i'd really dial it up and get after it kiddo this is the ramsey show ken coleman ramsey personality is my co-host today our last caller, 40 years old, with a student loan that's been around forever. Still hanging out with a student loan at 40, $58,000 student loan. Um, and of course, we are most of us aware anyway that student loan interest restarted September 1, and the payments will start in a couple of weeks here again in October. So we've got um, somewhere around 44 million Americans with $1.7 trillion in debt that have this uh, train barreling down the tracks at you. So we decided to help out because the name of our company is Ramsey Solutions. So we need to give some solutions, not just um, not just squawking about it. So we're going to do that tonight. If you want to join us, 7 p.m. tonight, Tuesday night, September the 12th, we are doing a live stream. It's completely free. It is me, Jade Warshaw, and Rachel Cruz. We're going to be talking about student loan debt in America, how we got here and how we're going to get out. Uh, it'll be in four or five hours from right now if you're listening to us live, but it is at 7 p.m. Central Time, Tuesday night, September the 12th. It's free. Just go to RamseySolutions.com slash student loans, and you can put in your email address, and uh, you'll be able to give the live stream a free watch. We'll send you the link pretty simple patricia is up next in roanoke virginia hi patricia how are you good thank you i have a question about my auto okay so my question is my lease is coming up um i went to the dealership and the amount to buy it out is twenty seven thousand dollars now um i don't know if i should just go ahead and buy the car or get a cheaper car in and be just kind of like debt free because I will still have the mortgage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have any money? Uh, I do have a savings of thirty thousand dollars. Okay. Um, what is the car worth? Uh, twenty eight thousand. So a thousand dollars over the price. Yeah. So it's no bargain. It's an okay deal, mm -hmm. but you can probably get that deal in a used car lot. So there's, yeah. there's nothing that says to buy this car. If you were sitting with, um, no car right now, and you told me you had $30,000, I would not tell you to buy a $28,000 car because mm -hmm. you only have $30,000. That would be using up all of your money. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm going to toss them the keys when this lease is up 
and go buy you about a $10,000 car. What do you make a year? Uh, it depends, but the minimum 55,000, it depends how much I work to be honest. Yeah. Well, the maximum car you ought to buy would be, uh, 50% of your income. So that puts you at about, you know, 25,000 bucks, but that's too much car cause you don't have the money. So if I woke up in your shoes, I would have no car payment and be driving a very nice, gently experienced $10,000 car. Now, the difference in a $10,000 car and a $30,000 car is pretty substantial. But it's mm-hmm. not its not like it's unreliable. It's not like it's not safe. It's not like it's any of those things. What is unreliable is being broke. What is unsafe is being broke. And $2,000 with a $30,000 car when you make 65000 is broke. I wouldn't put you there. So I wouldn't buy that car, and I wouldn't buy anything anywhere near that price. Uh, now, if you told me you had 100000 in savings, yeah. And you love this car? Maybe. But uh, even then, it's a lot of car for someone with your income. A lot, lot of money tied up. Yeah, I, I, I've been shopping. Dave, you know this for teenagers. You can get really decent cars uh, in the ten dollars to $12,000 range. Even in this so-called you know used car inflationary period, you can do it. You just have to swallow your pride and go, wait a second. I'd rather have more money than so-called pride. And you can get really decent cars that are functional and still in good shape. It's very doable. I look all the time. I got two more to buy next year. I'm a used car expert, Dave. At least I'm <laughs> self-proclaimed. You know, but I mean that's reality. Well, you're finding stuff out there that's safe. Yes, it's got a lot of life left in it. Yes, it's not filthy. It's not it's trashed not, on it's the not, inside. Not, I mean, a fifteen thousand dollar car is not a hoopty. No, you know that's a nice car. I just got my son Ty a Ford Explorer, 2012 Ford Explorer. Just give you an example. $12,000, bought it from a nice local businessman, had it in his it's an HVAC. If I said the name, you'd know him. And it was sitting in their parking lot. They've treated it wonderfully. It's in phenomenal shape. His eyes about bugged out of his head. And mine, too. I didn't expect to get him something that nice at that price range. But uh, it's a fantastic car, barely over 100,000 miles. Wow. So, I mean, this isn't a lot of years. This isn't fantasy. I'm not just saying this. It's it's doable. Yeah, that's what we would do in your shoes. Kennedy is in Indianapolis. Hi, Kennedy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? Um, Okay, so this is actually for Ken um, more so. So I applied for um, I'm I'm in a position. I've been in it for a year and a half. I meet all the qualifications to get promoted to a senior position per the guidelines that my job laid out. The only thing I'm missing is the year and a half of in the same position. I've worked for the company for almost five years come February, but I've been in this position for a year and a half. They want me to be in it for three, but I have all of the other qualifications and they're like, we're sorry, we can't do anything because you don't have the extra year and a half. So you just have to sit there for a year and a half before we will promote you. I don't know how to get around that. I'm doing everything extra. I listened to you a couple days ago and you're like, you know, just, I asked my boss, Hey, I want to be promoted. I want to be a manager. This is what I want to do. What do I have to do mm-hmm. to get it? And she said, you've got to wait a year and a half. Yeah. So is there anything I can do. No, you have to decide. <laughs> do, do you, you want, want to be there? Do you want to work there? Because they have laid out for you what is required Mm. and you know listen this is this is the tension between patience and persistence you know we want to move forward we want progress but it requires patience and so now they've laid it out very clearly for in fact i'll be honest with you i'm really impressed that they held the line 
on what they mm. prefer. I'm not. They sound like a bunch of idiot bureaucrats. <laughs> well, then there's Dave's opinion. I mean, uh, really. I mean, but, why but they, would you? I'll tell you the woman, why. The woman's been there five years. She'd be promoted at Ramsey. Well, but we don't if know she meet, anything well, about the organization. She maybe. meets all the other qualifications. The only thing she hadn't done is sit on her butt in that one role for a year and a half. All right, so let me clarify. Yeah. I don't necessarily have to agree with it. I respect the fact that they were clear and they've held the line I'll and they're consistent. So the point is they communicated clearly to you is what I was saying, yeah. and I respect yeah, which that. which gives you the opportunity to leave. So now you get to decide. Do you want to wait okay. another year and a half or do you want to move on? So, so here's okay. the ultimate – if you knew that they changed their mind today, would you be mm-hmm. super excited about the present and the oh, future I with totally this company? Would. Well, then, yes. then I love it. I love the company. It's just I I don't want to be stuck in the same role I am. I want to get promoted. I feel like I've deserved to get promoted because I have All right, done let me ask you this. Gone above. All right, let me ask you this. Yeah. Do, do you agree with Dave that they're uh, that they're uh, it's requirement. It's well, is it arbitrary yes. or, or do they tie it to actual hours? I don't even know what you do. Is it arbitrary or is no. it legit? Um, what it, that they require better. three years of experience. So in their requirement, they have eight different sections and you have to meet above 50, 50% in eight of those sections. And then the requirement is minimum of three years in the same position doing the same role. And I have that from like outside experience but not three years with the uh, company so not three years with them okay i get it all right yeah. i get what dave is saying but she's too. been there five years yeah i think you should get the but gig I've been with them for five years yeah listen i agree with dave you should get the gig but i at least appreciate they've told you so now you got to deal with it i don't think you okay. being the squeaky wheel is going to change their policy some people and some companies like policy more than well, they this, do this, principle. Big, this big company too of course it? yes Guaranteed. Yeah, it's a it's a policy over principle. Yeah, they, have, they have more rules than sense. That's all they do. They don't think. Well, wait a second. This lady's got this experience outside of here. She more than meets the requirement. That's not the way they think. So you got to decide: Do I want to be here and deal with the way they think, or do I want to move on? Unfortunately, that's what you're left with. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I mean, they do have the right to do that. It's it's their right. They own it. Yeah. And you know, sometimes people don't agree with stuff I do here and it's got my name on the building though. I do whatever I want to do. <laughs> that's right. But you don't have to agree with it, but and then sometimes they leave because they don't agree with it. And that's, that's an option. That's, that's an option too. Yep. This is the Ramsey Show. Hey, it's Ken. If you like what you heard in this episode and want to know more about getting started on the Ramsey baby steps, go to RamseySolutions.com and click on the Get Started button. We'll help you figure out the best next step for you based on your specific situation. Again, that's RamseySolutions.com and click Get Started.